Welcome back to Georgia HFMA's fourth episode on our very exciting podcast series, Healthcare Finance Miked Up. This is going to be such a fun and engaging episode because two very special powerhouse female leaders in healthcare take the stage virtually to give you some insight on what it's like being an entrepreneur, an executive leader, a super multitasker, and much more. Today's episode is moderated by my colleague, my friend, and my role model, Ashley Hill. You're going to want to turn up the volume on this one. Enjoy it. So welcome to all of the Georgia HFMA listeners today. Um, My name is Ashley Hill, and I am a committee member with the Education Committee of Georgia HFMA. And currently, I'm the Executive Director of Physician Revenue Cycle at Wellstar. I want to say that today you are in for a treat. I am so excited um, for you all to meet um, the person that I know well and excited to share about her experience. Just as we recognized um, International Women's Day this month, I think that it is amazing that Georgia HFMA thought it would be great to sit down with the Elizabeth Richards, who in addition to wearing many hats, is the Georgia HFMA president. So a true celebrity in our own backyard. Elizabeth, would you like to introduce yourself today? Uh, Well, thank you, Ashley. Thank you for that warm welcome. Um, I am Elizabeth Richards. I am the CEO of Alton Healthcare Solutions um, and the current uh, chapter president of Georgia HFMA. And I'm really excited. Um, Everyone who has heard me uh, talk in the last year has heard me talk about how excited I am and proud I am of this podcast. So I'm excited to be able to sit down and and be a guest myself today. Awesome. Awesome. So as we mentioned, just about International Women's Day, I feel like it's Women's Month. I feel like it's the year of the woman leader. Um, So in that direction, can you tell us a little bit about what inspired you to lead and why and who's been your inspiration? So I think, um, you know, a lot of leadership is um, some intrinsic personality characteristics um, that, that, you know, that some people are, are born with more of the intrinsic leadership personality characteristics. And, you know, as a type A Enneagram one, I think that I kind of um, in some ways came out of the, the womb um, wanting to lead, but just throughout my, you know, entire entire you know life and childhood um, I've gotten varying different um, opportunities to, to lead along the way um, was editor of the high school yearbook and actually the editor of the University of Georgia's yearbook which a lot of people don't know about me um, and just various other things uh, you know along the way that kind of started with my with my early leadership um, my dad was a huge you know role model for me um, and, and my development and always you know, pushing me to take opportunities um, and a little bit different of a story from a lot of women. My actual greatest mentor was, was a male. My first boss um, and longtime business partner, Clint Harkins, which some of the older listeners on this podcast um, know Clint and know that he was also a past president of HFMA. But um, he really, you know, he was the person that hired me out of law school and kind of took me under his wing and just really pushed me um, through a lot of moments in my career um, to go to the next step and, 
gave me the experiences necessary to learn a lot about running a, a small business and working with clients and then kind of helped and continued to mentor me through my um, corporate healthcare career, which is not something that um, we talk a lot about a lot. A lot of women um, assume or expect that their mentors have to be other women, which they absolutely can. But I think that we, we lose sight sometimes of the benefits of, you know, really great support from male colleagues um, to kind of push you along that leadership journey. Awesome. So having a male mentor, um, and as you mentioned, um, going to law school, how did you end up in this healthcare arena from law school? And what would you say that your mentor maybe told you or shared with you that allowed you to have that transition? So this is kind of a funny story. I did not plan to end up in healthcare finance. Um, I was, I am, was the daughter of a hospital CFO. So healthcare finance was about the last thing that I wanted anything to do with. I actually went to law school to uh, become a special victims prosecutor, which I did for a year and um, decided it was a bit much for me. And the, you know, really funny story about how I ended up in healthcare finance is I was interviewing for jobs, um, you know, trying to figure out what my next move was. And actually based on a HSMA um, connection, my dad knew Clint and Clint asked me to come in for an interview. And the literal deciding factor that put me in healthcare finance was um, he offered me $5,000 more than anybody else. And, you know, when you're 25 years old, um, and this is obviously would have to be adjusted today by for inflation. But when I was coming out of law school when I was 25 years old, you know, $5,000 seems like a big deal. Of course, when I look back now and, and think about it, I, you know, I laugh that that's, that's literal, that was literally the deciding factor. But um, Clint and I had a deal that I would do it for at least two years. And I don't think I ever thought that I would do it for longer than two years, but that was, you know, over 17 years ago. And obviously I, I stuck around. Um, and I think that what encouraged me to stick around was really, him encouraging me and mentoring me to create opportunity for myself that it didn't really matter you know what path that you were on that you could always create opportunity within the, the path that you were on so i was able to create enough opportunity you know within healthcare with when working with big clients and learning about hfma was a big part of that you know volunteering with hfma and being exposed to things and kind of looking for the next thing you know with him he gave me this space to become the leader that I needed to be. You know, he let me fall a few times um, and make some bad choices. And, you know, he let me, uh, you know, helped me make some great choices. And I was able to kind of grow my career and my, um, that business into what I wanted it to be um, through kind of his, his mentorship and leadership. And really he helped me because of his own background transfer, you know, my law degree um, I actually have an undergraduate in finance, which a lot of people also don't know. Um, so I had a business background in my in my education. I mean, kind of really helped me understand how to mix those two things together, um, and how so much of the critical thinking that you are trained at as a lawyer can be used to, you know, catapult you in other areas of your career um, and make you more successful just as a business leader as a whole. Nice. So I'll say $5,000, I'm sure, was a 
really good reason to really get you to where you are today. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> when I look back, I'm like, I can't believe I changed my career path for $5,000. But look where you are now. <laughs> so if you think about that, you know, as I mentioned, you wear many hats. So one of your hats is the CEO of your own company. So can you tell us a little bit about that? maybe barriers you have run into or obstacles, um, just being that knowledgeable leader that you are, as well as just the strength of being that woman um, that's confident. And how does that go um, or impact you being the CEO for a, a group or a team? So I think, um, you know, after I spent a good number of years in, in corporate healthcare, what I didn't like about my experience was that I, I felt like I couldn't affect change for my clients or the people that worked for me. Um, and, you know, it just got really, I got really stressed out in a bad way because I was doing all these things and had all these responsibilities, but none of them seemed to be, you know, affecting the change that I like to see. I'm extremely motivated by assisting other people. Um, one of my favorite things about being a leader is the ability to, you know, grow and manage a team and cultivate people to be their best self and help them find their their path and their leadership opportunities, like was done for me. Um, and conversely, with my clients, I really like the idea of being able to, you know, cultivate change in their organizations and meet them at a point of need um, and help them, you know, get where they need to be and help see the positive changes that my team can affect for their team and their organization. And so that's kind of the place with which I, you know, founded my company was just really believing that there was a space in the market for that kind of partnership. Um, and I think what sets me apart as a leader um, in general is that I'm high, I'm very, I'm a highly empathetic person. Um, and so I, I try to always lead both my teams and um, my relationships with my clients, you know, from that from that place of empathy. And that even goes all the way down to, you know, the way that we interact with patients on a on a day to day basis. You know, it's very hard in revenue cycle management to. Um, you know, you get, do get bogged down. We're looking at spreadsheets all the time. We're looking at met metrics. We're, you know, looking at dollars in and dollars out and cost to collect and all these things. And it's very easy to forget that every single one of those things is tied to an actual patient. And in a lot of situations, it's tied to a patient in the worst moment of their life. Um, most people do not plan to get themselves admitted to the hospital. Most people don't plan to have a chronic health condition. Most people don't plan to have cancer. So. When you really pull it back and you know say like this is you know this is why we're doing what we're doing and this is what um, these numbers on this spreadsheet mean and you it just changes the way that you work um, it changes the way that you know you lead the team and that's something that's extremely 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 important to me um, so that's kind of the the place with which I found it um, awesome and also where I think that my leadership style is. A little bit different and um, you know potentially that is a defining factor for for me and my company um, as to your question about what has been a barrier for me I mean being a woman has been a barrier for me we've come a long way um, it's 2022 and I know that I have opportunities and 
um, access to things that you know my grandmother couldn't have even dreamed of. But I'm still a female, and I still don't command the level of respect in every room or every meeting or every situation um, that you know that a male does. There's a lot of um, confirmation biases that are associated with you know with a with a woman with a female. Um, and that's probably been the most difficult part is having to work a little bit harder to prove that I deserve a seat at the table um, as maybe a male counterpart would. Makes sense. And I think it's a um, ever evolving challenge for women um, and, and many leaders, um, but specifically women trying to find a seat at the table. So let me ask you this, and I probably didn't prepare you for this one. If you were at the table, what does your table look like? Because I see us now, instead of finding a seat at the table, being already at the table and commanding people to come to us. So what would you think that looks like? Or um, what do you think it looks like to have um, maybe the balances change in healthcare? As you know, there's a lot more female versus male ratios sometimes in healthcare, but the leadership um, view looks more male to female. So if it's your table and you're commanding the change, what do you think that kind of looks like in your vision or your future or today? That's a tough question. Um, I think that, you know, my table is just more representative of, of the patient populations that we're, that we're serving. Um, whether that's you know female male mix, whether that's um, you know diversity in um, in background or diversity in color, I don't think any leadership team ever succeeds by having everyone at the table, you know, look the same way, think the same way, have the same background. Um, I don't, I don't know. I struggle with um, you know forced. You know, we need exactly 50% women or exactly 50% of a certain race. I struggle with that a bit because I still believe that, you know, everybody, everyone that deserves to be at the table, that you should be at the table because you deserve to be there because of the number of skill sets that you have and not because of a certain other characteristic. So I know the balance is very difficult and I know that certain minorities have issues, you know, even getting past that first, you know, step to get themselves at the table. but. I think my, my table just really focuses on people that, you know, bring out the strengths and weaknesses or, you know, bring out the strengths in me and also, um, you know, help with my weaknesses. My actual current team, I think we talk about this a lot um, and we spend a lot of time identifying what each individual person's strengths and weaknesses are on the team. I think a lot of times, particularly to females in leadership, we forget a lot about um, it it kind of takes on this tone of you know well I'm you know I'm woman I need to promote all women I need to you know needs to be all about women and I think that in doing that we lose lose sight of the fact that there are so many men in our um, industry that are um, are champions of women I've worked with them in my career um, as many awful male stories as I have I have great male stories um, and I think we have an opportunity opportunity as leaders right now to continue to cultivate the people under us to 
to look for that in their teams, to look for that diversity in their teams, to make sure that the people that they're surrounding themselves with don't think the way that they think or don't approach problems the way that they approach problems. I love um, I love taking my, my teams to an escape room. I don't know if you've ever done one of those, but yes, the great thing about an escape room, obviously for those who aren't interested or not interested, who, who haven't done it before, um, the great thing about an escape room is that in an escape room, you know, you, you're in there, you're locked in there with your group and everyone has access to the same clues and the clues are very um, vague, but it's really funny how, you know, I can read, look for the red triangle and I'm looking for something totally different than the person next to me. Um, so that's my like sidebar uh, extra credit for the day is if you haven't <laughs> taken a team to escape room, it's a really great way to just see that in real time and something that you can kind of understand how different the way that people look at the world. Um, I've learned the absolute most in my career and my personal life, always by talking to somebody um, that sees the world differently than me. Um, there's just so much value in that, um, in that exchange. So I think that, you know, it's a really long winded way to say that I would, my, my, you know, perfect table is full of people that, that think and look and are totally different than me. Absolutely. And I really like that you said it's about um, what you bring to the table. While, you know, there are different barriers, depending on what group or ethnicity you are, it's really about the level of knowledge and what you can add to that table. And I think that's invaluable. Um, and thinking about that, what advice do you think you would give a young professional early in their career, young woman straight out of college, um, what advice would you give to them that maybe allows them to think about what they bring to the table and or where do they see themselves? Yeah, I think that, um, you know, I think the biggest thing that I've learned in my career and something I wish I had known a lot earlier in the process is that you know, nobody has it figured out. There's no secret sauce out there. You can talk to 10 different people that have been successful and they'll tell you 10 different things. It's a really personalized journey and it's just about being like your best self every single day. Um, it's not really about fitting into someone else's mold or someone else's path. Um, and I think for a lot of a lot of the earlier, you know, decade of my career, I was convinced that there was this secret sauce or that these people had things, you know, figured out. And um, that's, that's just not true. Um, so I think it's a lot about cultivating you to be your best self and not about trying to be someone else's version of your best self or somebody else's path. Absolutely. So let's kind of switch hats a little bit. You know, a lot of times people think I'm doing X, Y, and Z, or I have to do this great at my job to move up. Um, but can you share a little bit about how important maybe networking and building relationships outside of work may help with advancement in careers or different organizations such as Georgia HFMA um, really helps to ignite a new passion or really spark um, moving up in different areas or really finding that taste of what you really want to do in your career and what what advice would you give about networking building relationships in other organizations outside of your actual job so i um i'm a huge proponent of networking i'm obviously a huge proponent of hfma 
Um, HFMA is where I got my early speaking experience. It's where I got my early leadership experience. You know, when those options weren't available to me in my professional career, they were avail available to me through that organization. So I think organizations such as HFMA or other, you know, trade organizations can be really great places for you to get that leadership experience or speaking experience or networking experience, you know, outside of your outside of your organization. But um, I heard somebody say that your, you know, your network is your net worth. And I think that that is so true because um, my network has, you know, been extremely valuable to me in obviously currently building and growing a business. But a lot of people in my network have been, you know, champions for me personally, champions for me professionally, um, have been there for me at really difficult times in my career. Um, it's been great to have people to call and ask for advice. I actually just had a lunch meeting this week with somebody that I hadn't talked to in two years. And it was just such an uplifting meeting, um, you know, just me sharing with her some of the struggles that I was having internally and just her encouragement and words of wisdom. And that's what you get from a network, um, particularly um, when it's really hard to explain to people, your friends and family, what healthcare finance is, right? Has anyone ever tried to explain what you do for a No life? one knows. Um, yeah, no one knows. So, um, you know, and your friends, they want to be there for you. But if you're trying to explain something particular to, to the industry or the way the industry works or whatever, that can be difficult. So the ability to, you know, network with people that understand your industry, know some of the people. Um, I was actually just counseling somebody recently that the thing about a network is it, it, it's, a, it's a job in itself. You know, maintaining it, reaching out to people, having regular connections, setting up meetings with them, lunches, drinks, whatever but it's necessary because you never know when you need your network. So you can't wait until, you know, something comes up and you're like, oh, wow, I really wish I had a contact at Wellstar to call, you know, call you actually and be like, oh, well, you remember me? I met you three years ago. Can you help me out? So that's what I think a lot of people get frustrated about in networking is there's really not an immediate benefit. Um, you usually don't see the benefit until a couple years later when all the kind of pieces fall together or you have that connection that you need to answer a question or give you a lead into something. Um, so I don't think it's ever too too early to start building your network, but it's definitely an activity. It's not just something that happens and it's something that takes constant work, um, you know, and constant effort and constant time. I mean, I spend a good amount of time, you know, going to lunch with people, grabbing a drink with people um, in order to cultivate that network and keep it going. Absolutely. I I'm, I was just saying to someone that um, it's about what you invest in, right? You know, if you're investing your time in other people, um, you can expect sometimes to get something back or just learn something different because you're building that new relationship. And that's what it's about. So I, I totally agree with that. So and the other thing, I, sorry, one ahead. other thing I would say on that topic is like, don't be afraid to reach out to somebody you know, an ask. I've had a couple conversations in just the last two months where people, like coming off of the women's leadership event that Georgia and South Carolina um, just hosted, I had two or three people reach out to me after that event and ask for 30 minutes of my time. And, you know, I gave it to them. It may not be immediate. You know, I may be telling you I'm not available for a month. Um, but I think, you know, a lot of times people are afraid to reach out to people well, that she's not going to talk to me or, you know, I'm not high enough to, to garner her time. Like, you know, you, you just can ask and, you know, all they can do is say no. 
So I wish, you know, what I wish I would have understood that earlier in, in my career that people really a lot for the most part, people do want to help. They do want to share their experience. They are willing to have a conversation with you. Um, and so just, you know, just reach out and ask. Absolutely. Absolutely. And who's who's going to say no to meeting and maybe grabbing some drinks or dinner or lunch? Not too many exactly. people. <laughs> so now let's think about all of the hats you wear, Elizabeth. Um, I mean, you are definitely very well known um, over my time just getting to know you and seeing you. It's, it's definitely inspiring. Um, what do you think that you have had to sacrifice maybe personally or professionally along your way or throughout your career um, and maybe even today just to make sure that you can manage or get through or succeed in the things that you're doing? So the, you know, it sounds very cliche, but I wish I had understood earlier in, in my career that the myth of having it at all is a myth. Like you just, you can't, you cannot have it all. Something is going to, something has to give. So while I think you can live a very fulfilled life in a lot of categories, you're not going to have it all in a lot of categories. I think the thing that I have struggled with the most is being a mom and the pressure of a full-time career, which is something that is extremely fulfilling to me. Um, my volunteer work at HPMA is extremely fulfilling to me. I think it makes me a better all personal person and a better overall mom, but it doesn't come without its cost. Um, you know, I haven't, I've missed, you know, just recently um, to speak at the Georgia, South Carolina women's event. That was something that I had committed to and my son's school um, decided to do a little presentation living museum thing that day um, and I missed it because I had previously agreed to speak and um, my son, my oldest son is 10 now and it was the first time that he expressed his disappointment to me. Um, and so that was really, really difficult for me. Um, so I think if, if anything that I feel like I've had to sacrifice, I feel like I've had to sacrifice, you know, maybe being the always there, you know, soccer mom. <laughs> but um, right. at the end of the day, I've, you know, I've had great support systems in my life that have, have helped me with that. Like I said, I still believe that I am a better mother and a better leader because of it, um, but it doesn't make it any easier. Um, it doesn't make it any easier to navigate. It doesn't make it any any less stressful um, to juggle to juggle it all. But what I always tell people, because I've had multiple people, which I find I, I you know very honored by this. I've had multiple you know new moms or soon to be moms call me and say like, oh my gosh, you make it look so easy. Tell me the secret. And I always tell them like, a there's no secret, and b just because you see something on Instagram doesn't mean it's easy. You know. I'm in tears, I've losing my patient with my kids, I've got logistical nightmares to, to work things out. Like it's, it's not easy, but I think that the, the best advice I can give somebody is that it's not a one size fits all. Um, what works for me and my family isn't gonna work for you and your family. Um, and so I think that we put a lot of pressure on ourselves, particularly as women, you know, to do all the things, be all the things and fit into some certain mold again. and. I think the only thing that matters is that you figure out and you know what works for for you and your family agreed absolutely agree so let's talk just a little bit about you um how do you prioritize you um in all the things you're doing um you know like everyone during the pandemic talked about self-care self-care this self-care that 
but what does that mean for you? It looks different for everyone and how do you do it and when do you get the time and, and what's important to you that allows you to maintain that balance? So I am awful at this and uh, <laughs> I'm probably going to be an idiot, but I am um, I type A that like literally can't stop working. Um, but no, I think what I've found for myself because of that, like I, I am never going to, I think it looks great. You know, I have a friend that just, you know, spent 10 days in, in Costa Rica on some, you know, retreat that just looked amazing. I, I am never going to do that. That's not going to work for me. I can't pull myself back that much. So what I found that works for me in particular is small, small things you know, leaving work a little bit early to go get my nails done or prioritizing getting my exercising in or, you know, if I'm having a, a rough day, like clearing my calendar and going to meet a friend for lunch or, you know, grabbing a glass of wine on the deck with my husband. Um, that That's what works for me is just the small snippets of things that I'm doing for myself. Um, I've tried the, you know, overall self-care thing. Um, but I, you know, I do think we talk about during the pandemic, I mean, in a lot of ways, we are still living in the pandemic. I mean, luckily, we are, you know, hopefully our numbers are coming down and things like that. But the the stress and the pressure and the way that our world has so drastically changed in the last two years is still something that I think that we're all dealing with day to day. Um, and I just try to remind myself of that. And um, the biggest the biggest thing for me is just grace. I try to extend, you know, extend it to my team. I try to extend it to myself like you know, we're gonna we're gonna make mistakes we're gonna we're gonna fax ourselves out and you know just stepping away when that happens and taking a breath and coming back and having a fresh start i appreciate that and i really appreciate you sharing with our listeners that you know while you can't you know be great at all things um you can do a lot of things and you know women do Again, great things, a lot of things, and we actually do it pretty well. Um, you definitely do. Um, so kind of just my last question, on a given Saturday, where could we find you? Or what would you say is your ideal summer retreat just to re relax? Well, on any given Saturday in the fall, you'll likely find me in Athens cheering on the Georgia Bulldogs. I have a uh, double degree from the University of Georgia in finance and law, and I love Athens and love my Georgia Bulldogs. So that's my my fun thing that I hardly ever um, ever let work get in the way of is, is cheering on the dogs. And then um, summer, I'm a beach person, so the beach is about one of the only places that, that I can truly make myself slow down. Um, whatever it is about sitting on a beach, the waves, I guess that's why they play the ocean for people's sound machines. Although the sound machine doesn't right. do it for me, but the actual beach it. and the, yeah, the sound, the actual sound and the smell and it all put together, um, is one of the only places I find myself able to kind of chill out and recenter with my, you know, iPhone nicely tucked away in my beach bag so I can check it every 30 minutes. But I mean, I laugh, at, I laugh about that, but I think so much is of being, particularly a female leader, is just owning who you are. That's who I am. And I have this conversation with my team all the time. I don't expect it from anybody else. I don't expect anyone else to work on their vacation. I don't expect other people to work on the weekends, but it's who I am. It's what makes me who I am. And so I think that the, you know, um, 
I'm 41 in a couple weeks, so I think that, um, you know, going into my 40s, I think I have this whole theme of, you know, just owning who you are. Stop trying to be what the world says you're supposed to be or what your work says you're supposed to be, you know, just kind of know who you are and, you know, own it and roll with it. And also realize that we're not all the same. Um, and that's okay. Absolutely. Well, Elizabeth, it has been a pleasure talking to you today. Um, I'm actually um, very excited. Um, for our listeners, if you don't get to meet with Elizabeth or see her, um, find some time. Um, you would enjoy it. She's definitely fun to hang around, hang around, as well as just a breath of fresh air and a lot of knowledge that can be really helpful. Um, so thank you, Elizabeth, for your time today. Really enjoyed interviewing you today and having this conversation. No, thanks, Ashley. Thanks for uh, moderating it for me. And I think we need to grab a glass of wine on a uh, patio very soon. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs>